Welcome to Dragon Talk, the official Dungeons and Dragons podcast. I'm your host, Greg Tito. I'm joined by... Shelly Mazzanoble. 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 That's right. He yeah. told me I was pronouncing my name wrong. I know, right? Oh, yes. yes. Yeah. We are talking today to uh, Dr. Raphael Boca- Doctor. Bocamazzo, right? Bocamazzo. Yeah. He, 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 he schooled us on uh, how to say Italian names and words. Including my own name. Including your own Mazzanoble. name. Mazzanoble. Yeah. Ma- Actually, it should be Mazzanoble. Oh, yeah, I guess I've just we've just been wrong this whole time. I don't even know who I am anymore. We'll just call you Shelly from that's, now on. You're that's like cool. you're like Cher. Yeah. But Shelly. Just one word. Yeah, I like that. One name needed. Well, we have a lot of things in common with uh, uh, Doctor B, as he told us to call him, because we're like, I don't want to have to pronounce that name. Right. Uh, he was also kind of got a theater background. Right. Um, he is also a clinical psychologist, like we are. Right. <laughs> a feelings doctor. <laughs> a feelings doctor. Yes. And uh, he also loves the D and the D. That's right. Yeah. Doctor B loves the D and the D. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Never mind. I just thought of something else, but. We'll save it. We'll save it. Yeah, we're we're keeping it in the vault. Uh, But before we get to talk to uh, Dr. B, we're going to uh, talk about some other fun things, such as the fact that we are on iTunes uh, with our new name, Dragon Talk. Please give us a rating and a review. Uh, It always makes us feel happy inside. It does. When we say nice things about Shelly. We go running over to each other's desks and say, look, look, did you see somebody gave us a nice review? And more than that, it makes it more discoverable on iTunes for oh, people to get to know there's about that. There's uh, that too. the Dungeons & Dragons role-playing hobby and how awesome it is. Right. That's Honestly, that's what we're really going for. Not right. just to make us happy, although it does make us happy. Right. Yes. It does. Uh, what else is going on? Uh, we had PAX East recently, uh, which was uh, lots of fun. Acquisitions Incorporated had some things happen. Sure did. It was hilarity. Pretty cool twist you had there. Did you check out uh, Dungeon Masters Guild? Has the adventures uh, that uh, Patrick Rothfuss and Mike Rahulik ran. Chris Pretty. Perkins was a player. It was insane. It was crazy. It's yeah. weird to see him in that role. It is weird, mm-hmm. right? But yeah. he, uh, he kind of nailed it. Nailed it. Up against... <laughs> what? I don't know. He nailed it. He did. They uh, all did. Yeah. They all did. Yeah. Well, except for uh, uh, Omen Drawn. He didn't nail it. Yeah, he's terrible. <laughs> did a bad job. <laughs> Jerry. Jerry did really bad. I didn't, I didn't. Don't, don't tell him if he's listening. No, no. Nobody will tell him. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. Um, uh, and we've got some uh, exciting stuff coming up soon that we can't really talk about yet, but uh, we will. What we about will. my exciting stuff? Talk about your exciting stuff. Do you stuff. care? Do you care? Oh, I you care. You spent all of Pax East talking about it. Oh, I care. Side by side. Yeah, I care about your betrayal. So, yes, as some people might already know, because it's it's been announced for like weeks now, but we are doing the first ever expansion for Betrayal at House on the Hill. Great game. <gasps> Woo! A great so, game that's being so expanded. Good to say it. Yes. The only thing that you, you need more than betrayal is just more betrayal. What's the name of the expansion? Widow's Walk. Oh, my God. So, yes, the expansion now has a whole new level to explore the roof where the Widow's Walk is part of. True. Can be part of. And um, it does actually factor in a little bit more. But there's kind of like a little surprise in the game once you start playing. You know. And there's 50 new haunts? 50 brand new haunts written by a... Um, all-star cast of contributors uh-huh. from the game design world, from the entertainment world, video games, board games. Yeah. It's just going to be, it's so cool. It's really cool because there's everybody 
who's involved in it is a big fan of the game, obviously. Yeah. And they just wanted to be part of it. But also they have very distinct styles. So you're really getting a lot. Like there's some pretty funny ones. There are wacky ones. And then there's the downright creepy haunts. So right. there is uh, a, tons of new content and a really good MSRP, if I do say so myself. Uh, a manufacturer 25, suggested 25 bucks. 25 bucks? For 50 new haunts, 20 new rooms. And uh, I can't do math in my head. 30? No. 30 cards. 30 new cards. Whoa. Omen, um, omens, items, and events. And for those of you who may not be familiar with uh, Betrayal at the House on the Hill, it's a really unique board game mm-hmm. uh, in which you're exploring a house. So you'd put out these tiles. Yeah, you explore uh, the house as you, as the you tiles move of along. E- of each room. It's being built, basically, um, in Collecting front of some you. items, but you're just trying to like, figure out what's happening. And then something happens in the middle of the game that triggers what, what's called a haunt. Yes. And those haunts are very unique, and they change the game and the rules uh, so that one person is usually a traitor. Uh, one of the players uh, acts as a traitor, and then it starts out of as, as a co-op game, and then it becomes a competitive game, uh, trying to have the uh, heroes or the or the, the yeah. traitor win. Uh, so when we talk about like 50 new haunts, there's basically 50 new stories yeah. that can be told uh, in this this really unique game. It kind of blends board gaming uh, and and role playing and. Uh, uh, Procedural generation games, like you know, it's it's you never know what you're you gonna get. You never know, and it was really cool because we got to work with um, Lone Shark Games. Yeah, um, and they are helmed by Mike Selinker, who a former employee a of former Wizards of the Coast. Wizard. He was also he was the lead developer on the Betrayal base game. So he's always just had this, you know, he obviously has an infinite knowledge of the game. Yeah, but he's also had just this passion for the game, and it's always really wanted to go back. He has an infinite knowledge of the game? Like, he knows more than can be known? Yes. <laughs> that's amazing. That's, I'm so glad he's working on no, this. No, that's what I meant. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I said, I said the right word. You totally did. It's infinite. His <laughs> knowledge is, goes on forever. He's super knowledgeable. He is. And, he, he and he's is. a great guy. And he's so, and he's very passionate about it. And he, we naturally, when this project got bandied about, mm-hmm. the first person we thought of was... Well, let's see if Mike and his crew can do it because of his history with the game. Yeah. And we contacted him apparently the day after his birthday. And he said his birthday wish had come true. He was going back to the house. Was so. that really his birthday wish? He blew out the candle and that's what he wished? Yep. That's Every, amazing. Yeah. Maybe he asked for infinite knowledge of the game. And, <laughs> and then it all just kind of <laughs> It all from came there. from there. But that's awesome. Yeah, so, so it, was yeah. really, it was very fun to be able to work with them again. We talked about that at PAX East, and uh, there's more stuff that will be coming. Do we know uh, when people can? In October. October. Yeah. Right, just in time for Halloween. Perfect timing. Yeah. That's marketing synergy. I know. It's almost like we planned it. You planned it. Kind of. Shelly did. Good job, Shelly. I did. I'll just take that credit. Good job, Shelly. Thank you. You are the bomb. Yeah. Well, anyway, that was super fun. And we got to talk about it a lot at yeah. PAX East. Tito. <laughs> we did. We a did. Lot. <laughs> we were yes. so good. We were running some some fun <laughs> demos for all of our friends. Uh, so someone else who's also, another thing in common with our guest today, Dr. B, is that he was also at PAX East. I know. Yeah. And when we talked to him, we were time traveling back and forth through time. Right. Uh, but uh, uh, yeah, let's 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 talk to to Doctor B. Without and find further out ado, what's going on uh, with his Dungeons and Dragons play uh, in use? Uh, on, he, he's using it for good. For good. Basically. Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay then. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Fine. 
we could get this anytime. <laughs> Go, I am powered by the hollow notes. Well, I'm going to go away from this before I adjusted the levels and uh, explain to my wife why I went deaf. And uh, <laughs> it's going to be a great story. I was uh -huh. listening to hollow notes way too loud. You know what? If hollow notes was the last thing that I heard, I'd be okay with that. I'd be okay with that. Hmm. Maybe my son singing Hollow Notes. Okay. okay, there you go. That's, I can see that. That's the you salvaged that. Okay, She's which a one? Man eater. No, you. Oh, come on. You got to go more sentimental than that. It's uh, got to be Sarah. Sarah Smile. Smile. Yeah. Yeah. All right, that makes sense. Yeah. That song is such a wet blanket. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Dungeons and Dragons podcast, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Speaking of wet Are we recording? Okay. <laughs> so glad everyone could be here to join us. Me too. I'm Greg Tito. Hi, Greg Tito. I'm with... Shelly Mazzanoble. And... Rafael Bocamazzo. Oh, Which, I'm so glad you said that. Name. I'm... Yeah. <laughs> Dr. Bocamazzo. B, Rafael, it doesn't matter to me. Awesome. Well, Dr. We're B. Yeah. That gives it like a whole like, hey, he's cool, Dr. B. Hey, Dr. B. Hey, it's time to go see Dr. B and get your shots. Does that work? <laughs> no, 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 not that kind of doctor. Feelings doctor. Right. I not those kind of shots either. No, Feelings no, doctor. no, no. You know. <laughs> those, <kind of> <laughs> those, those, those ones deaden the feelings. <laughs> right? So, so what are your thoughts on uh, alcoholism and using it as a coping <laughs> mechanism? Telling your feelings. Boy, this took a lot. Is that what you prescribe? Can you prescribe that? No, no. Do you have a prescription pad? I do not. Greg, what is he doing here? Well, he's here to talk about Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> and how he can use it uh, to uh, talk to uh, autistic kids as well as uh, other children, right? Uh, yeah. That's a good segue. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's a fantastic segue. Um, no, that's exactly what I'm here to talk about, uh, how the group uh, with whom I work, Aspiring Youth, a uh, nonprofit in Seattle, has been using Dungeons & Dragons to overtly teach social skills to teens for the last six years, I believe. We were the first organization in Washington State to do it. No um, there's a couple more now. Some of them actually came out of our organization. Um, but we're... There's a story there. No, yeah. no, no. It's, that, that is the whole story. Um, the um, Yeah, we've been doing it for six years now, and it's tremendously popular. It seems to be expanding. That's really cool. But yeah. we'll get more into the, the yeah, nitty-gritty yeah. of that. But first, let's talk about where uh, you started playing Dungeons & Dragons. Where, what was your, your origin story with the uh, game? I was hanging out with some friends 20 years ago. It was one of those freak snowstorms that Seattle gets, and when it gets, we're all trapped. Uh, so I was actually trapped at a new friend's house for overnight. We all had this huge overnight party when we were like 13. Ugh, mm -hmm. and feel bad for those parents. Oh, no, they were Why cool. my house? Oh, no, they were cool. <laughs> they were all cool. Um, and they started playing, I uh, forget if it was the old West End Star Wars or it was Dungeons and Dragons. They were kind of synonymous, uh, excuse me, simultaneously happening. And I thought, I'll give it a shot. Why not? Yeah, never looked back. What did you play? That first session. That first game. Monk. Oh. Really? Oh yeah, I'm I am definitely a monk player. Now, did something happen in that first game to make you hate wizards? <laughs> <laughs> going back to going an earlier earlier um, conversation it's here. It's no one thing that makes and I don't hate wizards. I'm just kind of skeptical of them because Why? they make things blow up. Yeah, that's cool. 
okay, except when you're the stealthy guy on the front lines just trying to schmooze with people and things blow up at you. That is a communications problem. I, it's definitely a problem for my character. I swear, one of the groups with whom I, uh, I do D&D currently, I think that the mantra for my character is roll death saving throw because of our wizards. <laughs> Oh. You have multiple wizards. Multiple you wizards put down multiple fireballs to, to destroy you. Things blow up. Twitchy finger wizards. Yeah, no, yeah, it's bad. Well, maybe my, you just haven't played with the right wizards. Yeah. Uh, apparently not, and I'm open I'm to this. I'm a very conservative wizard. Oh, you are, very actually. respectful. In today's yeah. political climate, I'm not sure how I feel about <laughs> you that. You are. <laughs> You're very conservative wizard. <laughs> She's fiscally conservative. Fiscally oh, okay, conservative. fiscally conservative. Yeah. So with you my really <laughs> you hoard your resources and your material goods. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. Wizards right. are the one percent. I mean, let's be honest; they pretty much are the. Well, there's a lot of schooling involved. Yeah, that's yeah. true. No, they're right. pretty so. elitist. Very. Yeah. Very. So now we know more about Shelley and the the, the characters that you like to play. Not really. No, I am an elitist conservative. Huh. <laughs> this is not going to go well. <laughs> I went to a lot of hippie schools. <laughs> I actually went to a hippie school. Which one? Ithaca College. Ithaca. Nice. Nice. Upstate New York. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was not like a traditionally hippie school, but there were a lot of very liberal, a lot of hippies. In upstate New York? No kidding. And Ithaca, mm-hmm. too. I heard just... they had this weird concert there at one point in the 60s Did in upstate you? New York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, like, Nobody uh, remembers it, though. Uh, I th- yeah, I was like... Uh, Nothing nobody famous played. Two by four, two by four, yeah. uh, <laughs> rifle stock. Timber. So did you go to you go to school here in Seattle too? Um, which school? Evergreen. <laughs> I did go to Evergreen for undergrad. <laughs> yes, go Gooey Ducks. Nice. They're the Gooey Ducks. Gooey Ducks, honest to God. And the uh, Latin motto with our phallic mascot loosely translates to "Let it all hang out." No way. Omnia Staris. Wow. It is a weird school. It is. I miss it. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure you do. <laughs> What was your non-major? Oh, my non-major was in uh, information and propaganda theory. Seriously? Seriously, yes. Do you make this? I mean, like, can you just say this is what I'm going to? No, no, no. It was so if you don't know about the structure of Evergreen, the way it works is you. (laughs) Most people probably don't. No, no, there there is a structure, believe it or not. And it's got a good reputation outside of Washington State. Um, Here they think it's all, you know, underwater basket weaving. Um, (laughs) Which is a great class. Very difficult. I recommend that. would actually be really hard to pull off. You really have to know the structure of the school. So um, generally, like in my junior year, I took one class all year. Um, the idea is that in no field that you go into will you only be doing that field. Like if you go into biotechnology, you're not just doing biotech. You've got to do business management, political right, science, yeah, that is ethics. Actually a good structure. And so the classes are modeled that way. So I got 16 credits, and it was this year-long study of propaganda, information, and persuasion. That's and then in my senior year, they wouldn't let me take any more psych classes because they didn't want me to specialize. They, that's for grad school. Oh, okay. So then where did you go to grad school? Um, a school in Seattle, a technical school uh, called the Washington State uh, School of Professional Psychology. You would not have heard of it unless you're in my field. Okay. Yeah, it's yeah, it's all clinical work. And now you are Dr. B. Now I'm Dr. B. Okay. That's, that's really cool. So let's talk a little bit about what your work is uh, using Dungeons & Dragons. What, what, uh, where did you, were you the person that kind of came with this idea? And where did it come from? Um, well, I'd like to take credit for how we did it. Um, coincidentally, I happened to be inspired about the idea at the same time this group started doing it. This was about six years ago. Um, a friend and colleague uh, was doing an internship with our group, Aspiring Youth. Um, 
I was at a different internship site and I just had this moment of inspiration one day and I had to call her up because she's a super nerd. I love her to death. Uh, Anna Denoto over in Redmond, Dr. Mm-hmm. Denoto. Um, on the phone with her, I'm like, oh my God, I've got this great idea for using Dungeons and Dragons to teach social skills and empathy. And, you know, she very dutifully listened and eventually said, so we're already doing that. Oh, that's crazy. <laughs> um, we're doing it a little bit differently than that, but we're already doing it. That's so cool. So yeah. then you were like, I got to get in on this. Well, I I actually didn't work with that organization till after the organization that I'm working with till after I graduated. Um, you know, I trained in, actually in the Washington State Prison System. I thought I was probably going to still work for them when I graduated, but mm-hmm. um, I ended up opening a private practice, and now I I'm a professional nerd. I'm doing the same thing <laughs> I did in high school. I'm playing Dungeons and Dragons on Friday nights and with high school kids at that. So it's you know. <laughs> That's amazing. I, I I graduated the 24th grade to play Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> you have leveled up. I have. That's I have. I am epic level DM. Yeah, you are. <laughs> so what is it about uh, Dungeons and Dragons, Dragons specifically that you thought, you know, the, uh, uh, Dr. Amanda and you both had the idea to... Oh, a- oh Anna. Anna. Anna, sorry. Um, so role playing as a therapeutic tool has been used for decades and decades. I mean, there's a lot of different schools of psychology that... Uh, use role-playing as a means of, I don't know, social rehearsal, of uh, working out um, unconscious issues, uh, really any number of things. So it seemed like a really logical extension uh, to use role-playing in a targeted way to build perspective. Um, And so, because that's really what we're doing here. And we're taking another person and imagining what their motivations are and imagining what their behaviors would be and holding ourselves to that. And you're doing so within this really, really well-defined framework um, that isn't as ambiguous as regular social interactions. And it doesn't happen with the same rapid pace that social interactions happen. And so for a lot of our folks that we work with, uh, many of them uh, have autism spectrum diagnoses, uh, many of them are suffering from social anxiety. Many of them, are, we just love our quirky kids. I mean, we many of them are just introverts who want to get better at making friends. This presents a real challenge, but also a really safe space in which to practice. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it just seemed like a really logical thing to do. So I like what you said, a, a word that you said stuck out to me, and it was overtly, because a lot of people find after they've played D&D, mm-hmm. they're like, oh, wow, like this is actually helping with yep. the social skills and the math and the analytical stuff. And you're going into it knowing. Right. I'm, we are using this game specifically right. to teach these skills. Yes. So do the kids in the program know that they are going to be playing D&D as a way to help foster these skills or get better at these skills? And how do they take that? Um, kind of. Uh, a lot of them know it's a social skills program that they're going into, but... Um, we're really trying to avoid lecturing because mm. I don't know if either of you have ever tried lecturing a 15-year-old boy. Mm. Uh, my, when I was 15, I tried all the time. Right. Well, when you were 15, you had a different set of powers than I do. Um, <laughs> no, Mostly actually, wizard spells. Yes, no, no. you me at 15. The, the, <laughs> <laughs> I actually, yeah, the, the pictures do speak a lot. Unless you call a unibrow a powerful tool. I, I think it personally can be very expressive. But then again, I'm Mediterranean in this sense. Oh, that's so true. <laughs> You could use my eyebrows as stepladders. So um, 
the no the we try and covertly target a lot of these skills because I would rather bang my head into drywall than lecture a fifteen year old boy on social skills. And right. I say boy because most of our players are boys predominantly. We've got a couple of girls, and we love seeing girls come in to to play, but it's predominantly boys. Um, Why is that? Do you think they just they gravitate towards the 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 program in that specific way, or, or what? I don't know. I don't know. Um, I mean, I could hypothesize all day, but I really couldn't give you anything definitive. Mm -hmm. It just, you know, most of our players are guys. Um, maybe it's just the way guys are socialized to play vi more violent games. Um, I, I don't know. Right. Well, we're, it's interesting you mentioned that just because we've seen such a huge uh, change in that perception, mm -hmm. you know, uh, uh, from from the brand perspective of, of how uh, more and more girls and women are, like, jumping onto this later in life. It's not necessarily, you know, oh, yeah. uh, you know during the teen years, I can definitely see no. it being yeah. much less, but it's, it's, it's you know... Uh, as you as you grow older, it 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 latches onto uh, some of those things that make you feel uh, like you can participate again. Oh, and coincidentally, um, it was about a year and a half ago that a bunch of local actors uh, who I'm friends with uh, said, "You dungeon master, you do D and D, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, can can we try it? We do a game for us. <laughs> oh Wait a minute. Okay, so like it's a legal, ninety ninety percent female." All actor Dungeons and Dragons group. Oh, this is the nerd unicorn. Oh man, we are doing this. <laughs> we are doing this, and it is so fun to work with them. They get so into it. Oh, I'm That's sure. That's gonna be fun. Great. Um, but yeah, with the kids, the um, with our students, um, we're really just trying to tap into something that they're already invested in. We want to meet them where they are and utilize that in a way that's going to give them more practice and more opportunities to socialize and you know Dungeons and Dragons is great it doesn't have uh, as I mentioned before the sort of ambiguity that so that normal quote-unquote uh, social interactions have mm -hmm. um, there's more defined rules in which to practice and more safety to fail right right yeah because it's not you it's no. your character well even that becomes an interesting challenge for some of our folks that um, we had uh, I had one um, player in particular, um, well, a couple of them as I think about it, but they had a hard time separating out the other party members' reactions to their character from, you know, their reactions to oh. them as the player, and right. that became a challenge to work with in and of itself. Yeah. Um, you know, they they played this very sort of, uh, boy, I'm going Steinbeck here, uh, very <laughs> Lenny esque character. Right. Um, who got petting, petting the rabbit? Yeah, basically. <laughs> okay, um, George. Very attracted to shiny it. objects. Very attracted. <laughs> Anything shiny was worthwhile. Yeah. Um, and that set up to some very interesting tension within the group, and sometimes got the party into trouble, and they got angry at the that character. And this, you know, our my student took it personally, and yeah. we had to work with. Now, I mean that. That kid's one of my rock stars. I, I, I'm trying to get that kid to step up and actually be a DM. Yeah, I was going to ask cool. if they are any of the kids DMing, or is, are you solely holding that mantle? I, well, okay, I am not solely holding that mantle. No, no, no. I actually do this with a co-facilitator, and okay. we we always have two people in my group doing this. Um, one person runs the campaign as the DM that week, and we generally switch. Uh, the other person is watching for behaviors that we track. 
Okay. Um, so the yeah, talk a little bit about that because that was really interesting yeah. about yeah. how you got uh, uh, in-game rewards mm-hmm. for around-the-table mm-hmm. social uh, uh, positive things and, ne- or, and or negative things. And I oh, just yeah. thought that was – I mean, I almost want to start doing that with my <laughs> <laughs> the groups that I play with because I'm like, all right, all no crosstalk. You, you just get docked a level. Well, that, that actually just started as a bit of a self-defense mechanism for us as the facilitators because we have a big group. It's uh, – when we started doing that, we had 10 players. Oh, that is huge. In and one group. In one group. Wow. So we had to find a way to keep order, but it turned out to be a really, really great way of – giving them practice and kind of using peer pressure in a positive way. Because whenever somebody would raise their hand and wait to be called upon, then you know we tally that on the whiteboard where everybody could see it. And if somebody was being disruptive with the crosstalk, we'd tally that on the whiteboard. And within uh, the game, the interruptions were, were worth double the experience points in terms of penalty that uh, the raising the hand was. So you had to raise your hand twice and wait in order to cancel out one oh. uh, interruption. Yeah. Um, and we did the same thing for being ready on your turn versus causing a delay oh, in game. I not be getting points for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, but it's interesting you say that. Yeah, it's always a surprise. Like, no. oh, it's oh, it's my turn? I get oh. to go again? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you say that, but I bet the peer pressure of everybody around the table no kidding. would be like, come on. Because they're getting, is it a collective point? Oh, yes. That, all right, or so penalty. When Tito, I'm sorry, if Tito were to screw us, <laughs> we would Thank all be getting docked for mm-hmm. that? Okay. Yep, and we do it yeah. in a really visual way. Yeah. That we can prompt throughout the entirety of that evening session um, and really just tell people you're doing great, keep it up tonight, or... Guys, you, you, you're in the negative point range. You're all going to be losing experience points if you don't pull it around. Okay? You're going to have to kill some monsters and don't interrupt. Well, and <laughs> see, it's funny you say that. Um, my other facilitator and I have very different styles of DMing. <laughs> um, with me, it's a lot more. I really, um, I've also got a, acting as a background, um, and I really focus on the role playing. Um, I love, and we actually will, I will definitely award collective bonus points for good role playing. Um, if you screw up the party, but it's in character, oh, you get a reward. That's good. It's kind um, of like inspiration. Huh? Kind yeah. of, yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, we do, we definitely do that too. Um, but if they do really, really well, I mean, that's a hefty bonus that I get for that. Um, do you really, have any really good role players in the group? Oh my goodness, yeah. Oh my goodness. Really, they just go for it. Oh, they totally go for it. It's re- what's really fascinating is you've got you know we've got some kids, and I've seen this more than once, that will not look you in the eye. Mm-hmm. In real, you know, real life again, uh, social communication. But a couple of them became our diplomats wow. within the game. I mean, the creative wow, ideas really? they come up with, and they are just smooth talking. We've got one that the whole party just started calling the diplomancer. Oh, that's cool. But yeah, I mean, and it's just really cool to see what that framework gives. Um, and God, he is, oh, he is a smooth talker within the game. But does that translate outside of the game? Like um, the more he's it, been eventually, playing? Eventually, I, I've seen it start to. Yeah. And I, I would love to tell you that there are heaps and oodles of studies that show the efficacy of this. But the reality is there really isn't. It's so new. Well, it, well, not the game. I mean, come on. You no, no, but we're working it with, with, with these kind of children. Overtly, yeah. Um, and so as a part of the other organization with, the, uh, with which I work, in fact, I'm the clinical director of, uh, takethis.org, 
um, I'm really working at connecting with a bunch of psychologists across the country, many of whom are students, you know, some of them are students, uh, some of them are working professionals, some of them are research psychologists, who are all fascinated by games mm -hmm. and tabletop gaming and researching the benefits that it gives. Because sadly, there's just not a lot of good studies out there about it. Right, right. Uh, I, I, I love the work that Take This does. I'm a big fan of uh, Dr. Mark Klein. Uh, do you still work with him at all? Well, I, I took over for him, okay. actually. Yeah, he, he, he was the original. Um, he's still the vice chair of the board, uh -huh. um, but um, he is a very busy man. Yes. <laughs> and he decided to step back, and uh, I actually volunteered with Take This for several, uh, two or three years, and... Um, apparently made a good impression because I went from volunteer to clinical director. Um, <laughs> oh, nothing in between? There? No, no. Uh, yeah. yeah, let's talk about intimidating. Yeah, Dr. Klein, I remember him being very busy. Being, I, I used to have to try and wrangle his uh, articles that he would write uh, mm -hmm. uh, uh, for The Escape. So it was, always, mm -hmm. it was always a big pain in the butt. But he was amazing because when you ever got you know, in, in person with him or even just talking with him over email, uh, the stories he would tell, and he didn't use Dungeons and Dragons to my knowledge uh, in this way, but he used Magic the Gathering mm -hmm. in... Uh, his one-on-one -on -one sessions mm -hmm. uh, oh, with really? kids, because and not even just as a, uh, uh, you know, a, a tool or anything. It was just a way for them to open up and yeah. feel like that they were, you know, hanging out with a friend, and then, you yeah. know, or you know, or make the setting a little bit more normal. For right. Them. Uh, and he he had lots of stories about oh, how, yeah. how amazing that was. Oh, but yeah. He was also the same thing. as like there's just no clinical research on this. Yeah, and sadly, I, I would uh, one of my goals as the clinical director to take this is I want to actually um, encourage more studies about this. And we've got, again, some some doctoral students who are starting to focus in this area. And there's more plenty more research on video games, but yeah. not tabletop games like this. And I would love to, I would just love to see that because anecdotally, which, you know, we all know is perfectly sound scientifically. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Number one. Um, <laughs> we all see benefits. I mean, you even talked about uh, how... You know, people you know yeah. got social benefits uh, covertly. Greg Tito being one of them. <laughs> was I was he, a big jerk beforehand. <laughs> he was a he was a bit of a luddy before I started playing. <laughs> he bathes now. Yeah, exactly. Mm, so many things changed. It. Yeah. Well, not today. Well, yeah. after that after that phase of method acting, his half orc. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> I got into it. I got into uh, it. No, I respect I was, that. You know, I respect that. I, the loincloth, I may have been a little overboard. <laughs> but but the, really the dental implants, those were weird. No. Oh, man, I would love to be there for that <laughs> HR conversation. So this loincloth. <laughs> is this a cultural thing? Um, is this part of some religious significance that we can't touch? Of or? course. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> yes. That's, we'll go with that one. That's, that's a good one. He said in Orcish. Now, if you excuse me, I'm going to be late for my game. What if you only know, I could pull Orc language out of my, like, I, like Klingon. Or yeah, something I was going like to say, does like, orc, Orcish sound like Klingon? It's very glottal. I think so. Okay. Yeah, I mean, if uh, uh, I don't, we don't have the language written down. Uh, okay, well, uh, that's fair. Yeah. We it, need to get a linguist in here. Or is yes. it kind of like Hebrew where you just try and it sounds like you're hawking something up? It is that. A little bit oh, okay. Yeah, when I'm, when I'm role playing orc, uh, orc uh, chieftains, that's what I do. Oh, okay, that's yeah, fair. Obviously, channeling my inner Woody Allen. Okay, that's fine. Just get a <laughs> rabbi friend. And... Yeah. <laughs> it, it is great as your as your orc half orc uh, barbarian goes into battle. You're just shouting, "Oi!" <laughs> <laughs> Tradition. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, singing fiddler on the roof yeah, as you go into exactly. battle. <laughs> Theater nerds. Yeah, no. So yeah, we're you mentioned theater, and mm -hmm. uh, we were both uh, uh, have a theater background as well. Uh, so yeah, no, we found that it's 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 this crazy crossover between people who like to perform and then mm -hmm. to uh, uh, pretend and improv uh, in this way. 
Um, but uh, I think it's something that we both talked about getting our, our children into. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, one thing we were interested about was the, uh, uh, the parents and how they would res- they respond to yeah. uh, working with their kids and as far as the program goes. Um, well, they seem to respond well. I mean, a lot of the, a lot of the kids who come to us, uh, their parents are just desperate to get them away from electronic media. Mm. Uh, please get my kid away from video games. I don't know what you're talking about. No, all right. <laughs> Put your At- phone down, Tito. Oh, sorry. God, <laughs> Screen time. God. Um, no, and so their parents really just want to get them out of the house. Because I'm, I, I, boy, as a, as a therapist, I really feel like a hypocrite saying this because I'm a gamer. I mean, yeah. it's, there, I've got some great stories about getting injured and then spending a week on the couch playing video games. And wasn't that Viking. great? Oh, it was great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you know, hurt outside. my ribs and then play Dangerous. Skyrim for a week between Viking and Naps. Oh, sounds <laughs> wow. amazing. Skyrim on Vicodin sounds pretty. Not that we condone, <laughs> not that we condone you that had kind me of. At naps. Yeah, yeah. Well, my now wife came home and uh, how many hours have you played this week, sweetie? Like 12? <laughs> Yeah. Today, <laughs> if, and it's noon. Yeah, well, it's Monday, so yeah. 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 Um, so a lot of the kids just come to us, and uh, one of the things that um, you know, the way I conceptualize things is that video games are a great and quick and easy way to feel a sense of mastery, to feel a sense of accomplishment. To um, once again, there's a framework. I mean, you definitely have rules, right. and a lot of the kids that uh, we work with have played video games so long that it's kind of like their social skills have atrophied, or they just never got practiced. I mean, even even us awkward kids, uh, you know, 30 years ago, yeah, had we were basically forced into practicing our social skills. Where now, on a lot of the kids I work with, they don't necessarily have that, you know, social pressure to be more social. Um, Interesting. So, like, not even in that school or, or, or well, I mean, they go to they, they go to school, but I mean, now every, you know, what, what did the Pew Research Institute say? Something like seventy five percent of teenagers now have at least access to a smartphone, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of crazy. Yeah, well, kind of frightening in certain respects. Right. Um, yeah, and if you've been around a a thirteen year old, there is definitely a lot more. Mm-hmm. Social interaction happening through the phone, right? Uh, than in person, right? That's the new norm. Yeah, that is absolutely the new norm. And now we're trying to wade our way through and figure out how to balance that out. Um, and so that's where a lot of the kids come to us. They just want their parents want them to do something social, and this is a group activity um, where. It's moderated by two clinicians. My co-facilitator has a master's in education. You know, I have a doctorate in clinical psychology, and so we can spot behaviors that are problematic, coach the kids on how to work on those, give feedback to the parents, and so they can work with it systemically at home. Um, and that's so they tend to respond pretty well to that. So that's they cool. come to you willingly. It's not like most like of them. the way that you would like. I have to go to a doctor or something. Like, but they most don't, of the time. Okay, but sometimes you get a. We get some skeptics who come in and I don't know what this is. It's going to be like every other doctor I've gone to. And uh, (laughs) And then you win them over pretty quickly. Uh, Hit them with a fireball. (laughs) That's the wizard talking. (laughs) That's the parent in me talking. (laughs) (laughs) The spell or the drink? (laughs) There you go. (laughs) (laughs) That's definitely the parent in you talking. Yeah. Scary, scary. Well, the par- what what it actually becomes interesting <laughs> is um, educating the parents on how complex the yeah. sort of moral alignment system, how complete it is. Not necessarily complex. Um, love how you guys simplified fifth edition. Love it. Um, I'll take credit for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, and I love how overt you made the personality 
you know, traits, and uh, that just made my job so much yeah. easier. Right, having better. bonds and flaws, right? And yeah, things that um, like are, are... and that we can actually tr- we we as the DMs actually keep a list of all of our characters, you know, flaws, bonds, ideals, and personality traits, and their moral alignment, so we can really push our students uh, to role playing that, thinking about that, and explaining that to parents. You know, what is chaotic good versus um, neutral good versus ugh, lawful good. So boring. Um, <laughs> good villains, though. Well, the lawful evil ones are. Yeah. We actually have one character. One of our one of our players is such a good role player um, that we allowed him to have a lawful evil character. Wow! Wow! And it creates a fantastic group dynamic. That's interesting. It is the first time we've ever let a, an evil character in our group. Yeah, because I feel like that would be kind of a red flag to a lot of parents. Not even necessarily the kids, but like you know. No, it's fantastic. He set up this wonderful character where um, he. Our, first of all, you have to understand that our. I, I mentioned differing campaign styles. Uh, <laughs> my, my co-facilitator plans things out. I ruin that, um, <laughs> and we we make things. I make things up as I go along. Um, as such, we have very weird pantheons of gods at this point. I think we we created a god of standardized testing. He actually became the main <laughs> villain in our last campaign. <laughs> yes, good. Nestor. Uh, with the Nestor yeah, the tester. Nestor the tester. Yeah. Well, he. I, I think we found a a, a chant for his uh, acolytes of uh, Omnia Praetaris, which I think loosely translates to all of the above. Oh, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So we. It, it's basically I, I overtly rip off Monty Python and Terry Pratchett. Uh, for, all all good DMs rip off. That's the way to do it. I am shameless about it. Absolutely. So yeah, tell me about how this lawful evil character. Oh God. Like, so I, I, yeah, how does it work in the framework? He became the Myconid uh, ambassador, uh, and he actually became a inquisitor for their new crusade to rid the upper lands of all you know non spore people. Uh, and he took it very seriously, and he he re- retooled his character to speak like only. Uh, uh, Undercommon, and he had a translator, and it became this very Jay and Silent Bob thing. Oh, neat! Um, because his wizard buddy, who was a, a little wacky, uh, his personality flaw is very loose ties to reality. Um, <laughs> it, it became this very interesting Jay and Silent Bob dynamic um, that played out and created some very interesting tension with uh, our very good druid, who has somehow nick- earned the nickname Madam Bloodrights. Um, it, it's the kids have created such an interesting dynamic from all this, and yeah. it, that I, I would have n- like never it. ever have thought of allowing an evil character into the game. Right. Well, especially in a, in a in a clinical setting, you know, where it's like you don't want to necessarily right, you know, scare away parents or scare away right. anything that would that would you know, be unhealthy, you know, right. quote unquote. And it's so interesting. Also, I mean, that that ties into there's been a lot of articles in the last few weeks uh, uh, videos about talking about how you know the the moral panic of Dungeons and Dragons back in the 80s uh-huh. oh you've how been that's... reading Geek and Sundry yes right yeah exactly and, <laughs> well, I should send uh, you some the, of the, the articles I write for them <laughs> yeah I should I'd uh, love to read them uh, but the New York Times did something recently too and it's 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 they're they're kind of have this tone of like what it was like back then and now it's almost the complete opposite and that people are, are are you know even you said like getting people away from screen time like mm-hmm. Dungeons and Dragons and, and, and tabletop gaming in mm-hmm. general is like now what 
parents want right. kids to do more so because it is social. It is you're learning things. You're you're you're, you're trying out new uh, experimentations and social right. situations that you wouldn't normally do around right. a video game. And stuff well, like and especially that. if you have somebody who you know a clinician moderating this who's really looking for pro-social behavior, or in the case of my um, my player who does a lot who has that lawful evil character yeah. perspective taking. He is a fantastic role player, and he takes that character's perspective very well. Gets the party in a lot of trouble, but man, does he get bonus points <laughs> um, because it's totally within the scope of what his character would wow. do. Yeah, and it's fantastic. Um, but yeah, the, this moral outrage—I mean, they come and go, and people get used to it and realize it's not so bad, and then we end up with um, well, uh, I think nude, it was, nude things to, to demonize, and yeah, right. Well, and even parody—I don't know if you know Zombie Orpheus Entertainment. Um, they're no, the local familiar. production company that did uh, the Gamers series of movies and Journey Quest, and okay. they ended up producing a full-length feature film of Dark Dungeons, the Jack Chick attract. Oh yeah, um, I remember hearing about this. And it was the fantastic parody of you know, you know, if you play Dungeons and Dragons, you will go to hell. Yeah. <laughs> Hail. Hail, not hail. Not, 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 not just hell, but hail. Hail. You know what I, I just realized something about that Darkest Dungeons thing is that uh, uh, it was oddly uh, inclusive uh, to both genders. Uh, both, the, <laughs> both the DM and the main character were female yes. in that. And I was like, oh, good for you, Jack <laughs> Well, you know, the, he, you know they, they were trying to start a coven. That's what you could take out of it. True. They, right, it so was going coven. into witchcraft. But I believe, if I recall my Jack Chick tra- tracks correctly, uh, that... Uh, the you witch, being a connoisseur of, I am, of Jack Chick. I am. Uh, I, I believe that witch reported to a warlock. I think you're all right. I, yes. Yes. You're right. The, the, she was subservient. All right, good. So there was a patriarchy. Good. Oh, <laughs> yeah, oh there, good. There was absolutely that was a close. patriarchy. Order is restored. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Well, uh, uh, PAX East is coming up. Yes. Uh, uh, you know, we'll, people won't listen to this for a few weeks after it's done, but talk mm-hmm. a little bit about uh, uh, what Take This and you are, are going to be doing there. Are you well, going to be at PAX I am. Um, we, are, we are both leaving tomorrow, actually. I'm leaving. She are you Tuesday. really? Okay. Well, yeah. we, should yeah. all, we should all totally Let's hang, hang out. out. We, oh, man, we should totally hang out at PAX East. Totally. Yeah, right? <laughs> um, so uh, uh, Take This is running what's called an AFK room, the Away From Keyboard Room, and we actually are running them at all the PAX locations this year, including PAX Australia, which my wife assures me I will be going to observe. Um, <laughs> and she will have to go and with you. Abso- no, it's tragic. Reasons. It's absolutely tragic, yeah. um, being in Australia in November. Um, <laughs> So uh, the AFK room is a place for people to come in and decompress. I mean, we've all been to conventions. We know how overstimulating they are, yep. especially PAX Prime. I mean, my goodness, the yeah. Washington State Convention Center is so a labyrinthine. Um, it's just a wonderful place to come in, decompress. It's a quiet space that's staffed by mental health clinicians and students um, who are there to offer you know, referral resources, education, safety, uh, support. Um, and it's we've had nothing but good feedback in the several years we've been running them. Um, like I said, all of the PAX locations this year, and um, boy, I mean, if people benefit from that, I'd love for the PAX folks to hear about this. You know, give them good feedback. <laughs> uh, tell we think it's great. Now you tell them that it's great. Um, now all the feedback I've seen from uh, uh, enforcers to uh, just normal people. Uh, normal people. <laughs> yeah. Not let's, enforcers. Let, no, let's talk I mean, about uh, destigmatizing mental health. All right. <laughs> By normal, I meant non-enforcers, but yes, I, I, attendees was attendees, the, the word go. I was going for. 
uh, have, have <laughs> always the, the normies. You really want to call nor you know the yeah. attendees at a game convention normies. His name was Come Norman. Uh, All right, fair enough. He said that he really enjoyed. Uh, <laughs> have, Norma also was there. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, everybody who, I mean, because I've been to those rooms uh, a few times over the years uh, since they were introduced, mm-hmm. and uh, it's always just feels very, uh, you know, welcoming, and it's, you know, it's, there's, I'm going. there is a lot of yeah. uh, hubbub, that even just like the amount of people, if, oh, you, if you have any claustrophobia or fear of crowds or anything Social like that. Social anxiety, it, or just you need a break. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's what I, I, I took it for, was just to be like, hey, it's a little bit quieter here, oh, yeah. you know. Relief. Uh, and uh, you can talk to some people about uh, uh, some really amazing, amazing things. So it's cool yeah. that, uh, that, well, like I said, this is going to be in the future, but so right. you did such a good job at right? yeah, PAX I loved East. that room. Oh, it was a great Fantastic. room. Yeah, especially that thing in the corner with that guy in the place. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be great. The plants? Oh, the, the plants. I don't I'd actually be interesting Amazing. if we have plants. I haven't seen the room yet. <laughs> There's got to be plants. Um, of course there are I mean, they were the best plants. They were the best plants. <laughs> I love time travel on podcasts. <laughs> it's one of my favorite things. It really is. We're, we're wizards here at of the coast. <laughs> so I, back to reality. Um, Oops, there goes gravity. The Back part, to life. Well, I'm assuming we're going to have links to all of this stuff. On Absolutely. Website, right? okay. sure. so yeah, that'd be great. If you go to the aspiring youth.net. The, uh, where you can learn about Dungeons and Dragons and social skills. Mm-hmm. There is a fantastic section there about how parents can help. Mm-hmm. And I loved this section. It really <laughs> just spoke to me about, like, you know, like, because I imagine, like you were saying, for some parents, they're, they're not, they don't play D&D. No. They don't know what some it is you're doing don't. with their kid, but they're trying to be involved. And right. this is just simple ways in mm-hmm. which when after the event, just to ask your kid mm-hmm. how the game went. What right. happened to your character? Right. I love the idea of this. Like, tell me about your character. What well, did your character do? What yeah. did the party do? Who, who did you work with? Right. Well, and, you know, this is going to come as a huge shock, I'm sure, to both of you, but people like talking about themselves. <laughs> I I know that's... People that's, who host the podcast would not know I don't anything know about, about that. No, performers, no. there's no <laughs> narcissism there at all. No, absolutely not. Excellent. I don't know people. what you're talking about. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> on cue. And, I, I, you know, I will tell you, I brushed up on my Hall of Notes before I came here. Seriously, we didn't even give you a lot of notice. Oh, no, 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 no. I was looking at... Was you looking. were dropping the Hall of Notes trivia. Oh, absolutely. He's good. I know. So people like talking about themselves. <laughs> anyway. Absolutely. No, this guy absolutely does not like talking about. But our play, our play, you know, one of the things I I love getting parents to do is just non-judgmentally ask their their kids about what they're into, mm-hmm. without any sort of um, agenda, without any sort of uh, judgment about. You know, back in my day, we didn't we didn't do this sort of thing. Uh, we I want them to I want them to ask, and I want my students to teach. Okay, because for a couple of reasons. One, that keeps the parents involved in this really systemic way that reinforces the skills that we're looking for. Um, but two, it also reinforces the structure and gameplay for my students, um, some of whom struggle with the rules. Mm. That's and that's fine. That's that's cool. Um, but it also gives parents an understanding of what we're looking for, the process by which we uh, look to improve on behaviors and increase pro-social behaviors, and also destigmatize and demystify what role-playing games are, yeah. um, which is something I, I'm sure you encounter as well. And I can imagine a lot of you, that's you know, 90% of the questions that you get from parents is like, what is this? Well, more often what? than not, it's what I get is, well, his dad played. Right. Right. I have no idea what this is. 
And so we talk a little bit about it. And mm-hmm. um, I, I, I thought the guidelines that you had were very succinct. I almost want to like steal I know. them. What did I write? We've I, been. Oh, the one that, I, that really got me was like, oh yeah, that it's just what how people play that people don't necessarily know was the uh, 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 reviewing the rules one. It right. Seems so silly, but like. Well, I love many, reading my writing. I can never remember what I wrote, so it always like, sounds just great. Just like people who like listening to themselves talk. You like reading your own writing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Would you the, like to read that out the, loud? The, the squirrels us? are strong with me, so I for like, oh man, who wrote? Oh, I wrote this. This is yeah. Cool. But just the idea that like of teaching parents to be like, well. If, he's, if you know, if you are confused about the rules, this is what you do. You open Absolutely. the book and you research it just right. like you would anything else. And right. I, and I think a lot of people, you're right, kind of mystify and, mm-hmm. and, and stigmatize role playing as not like any other kind of learning. Like mm-hmm. if you're trying to learn something, right. you look it up and, and, and right. you find out about Absolutely. it. And that's exactly what you do with role playing. I'm almost, you know, there are people who spend uh, uh, most of their time playing, you know, D and D, looking up stuff, and that's, uh, you know, that's a certain type of player. But and like, God bless you for creating Fifth Edition and getting. <laughs> getting the rule lawyers out of my group. <laughs> it's finally uh, happened, hasn't it? My goodness. Yeah. Oh, oh, thir- oh they, they knew every nuance of 3.5, and here I am with a job and my own practice. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Just go with it. It's a, it's a feat. <laughs> sure, that sounds great. Yeah. I, uh, Meteor Swarm, yeah. done. Fine. Everything <laughs> blew up. There was, I mean, I played in a pretty heavy 3.5 group up to like level 22 or something like that. Nice. So I know exactly what you're talking about. Like my my ranger was, you know, six attacks of craziness <laughs> each round. Um, and the only way to beat the DM, because he was trying to, you know, he had that kind mm-hmm. of adversarial thing. But we had to look through these books of yep. like arcane you know, yep. I mean, he had a huge library of almost everything that was printed oh, for 3.5. Uh, and there was this moment where we were like pouring over books in the middle of the t- turn, trying to figure out what we could possibly do to do this. And I was like, this actually feels like we're wizards at this moment, <laughs> looking through arcane knowledge to find out how to destroy the bad guy. So like, th- there, uh, there is definitely something to be said for, for a game system that's simple that doesn't make you have to do that. But I yes. liked, I, I, right. there's a part of me that really latches onto that idea. It, 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 yeah, and I don't want to discount you know, that sort of initiative to look up. Uh, I mean, some of the kids that would do that to me, I, they're gonna be great lawyers in real life. <laughs> I have zero doubt, they're gonna be great litigators. But uh, I just didn't have time to keep up with right. rules like that. Sounds like you're uh, a similar DM to me where you just make stuff up and, and run, oh, Lord, run with yes. it. Oh, yeah. Um, I think that my mantra is, uh, what's your AC? Uh, roll. Yeah, you got hit. <laughs> why? Because you angered the DM. That's why. <laughs> How much damage did I take? How much hit points do you have? 12? <gasps> well, then you took 11. Wow. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. You're like, all right, you're, that's uber drama. You're like trying to make got, it as, as dramatic like, as possible. There's obviously a wait list of people to play this game. Well, He's we're got to like cycle through. Yeah. Well, we're actually <laughs> expanding the program. There's a lot of churn happening. <laughs> um, I, I think we're actually expanding our program. We have uh, groups meeting in Bellevue and Seattle, but we're really looking at opening up one in Pierce County where a couple of our facilitators actually live and they really oh, don't want to drive to Bellevue. Um, so we're looking at expanding there and I, it, it just seems to, everywhere I go, even when I'm, even when I'm with Take This and officially representing Take This to various conventions like Gamers Development Conference and I, I mentioned the D&D stuff and everybody's ears perk up. I mean, there's yeah. just like this nice. national interest that I'm, and so, yeah, we may have to expand further. I love it. It's just awful for us. So you yeah. you have to be a facilitator, though, to DM. Like yes. Greg Tito could not go and DM. Um, well, you know. I'm volunteering. I guess. I guess. Well, thanks. <laughs> well, we might. Yeah. We've actually kicked around the idea. It's so good. <laughs> Fun. We've kicked around the idea of guest DMs, um, and you know, if any celebrities are listening, Will Wheaton, um, and you want to uh, 
come DM one of our sessions, we would absolutely be open to that, Vin Diesel. Um, <laughs> Vin Diesel does listen to our podcast. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. come up to Seattle, man. Oh, like oh. religiously. Oh, come up sends to Seattle. His, Wait, sends us I, fan mail all the time. That would be awesome. Um, it'd be cool to, to host a session here, too. I mean, we got yeah, this great well, I could, open I could space. Talk to and, the uh, powers that be. And I know there's a lot of people on the D&T team who would be really excited about uh, 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 working with your program. So that sounds great. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we already mentioned uh, aspiringyouth.net. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are some other... Uh, uh, places where people can find out more uh about what i do uh take this.org which has a lot of wonderful mental health re- uh, re- resources um great articles when we're expanding our expert content just put a great piece up written by a local psychiatrist on antidepressants and de- you know demystifying nice. those um we're looking at doing some more on anti-anxiety meds um we have links to some of the things we write uh, for the year of mental health for geek and sundry um hmm. Actually, we just had an article go up two days ago on that. Nice. Um, and we've got a lot of great partnerships that we're working on. Uh, one really awesome announcement that we just made today. Uh, we have a partnership with Wormwood Gaming. And if you know who they are, they do great, great woodwork products. Yeah. And we partnered with them to produce our Hope Shield for Take This. Cool. Um, and you don't know which one you're getting, and one out of a hundred is an ebony with a mother with a pearl inlay. Oh wow! Um, and it's just a reminder that you're not alone. Um, to give to anybody who you th- just needs a reminder that wow. you're thinking about them, and you they are not alone. That's so cool. That yeah, is. yeah, and that's uh, where the name Take This comes from. Because right? it's dangerous to go alone. Yeah. The yeah. famous quote from the first Zelda. Mm-hmm. For those of you who don't know, I'm just talking about that. Maybe Shelly did not. The, those of you who are under I the age of 20. I have a cat named Zelda. That counts. Yeah. The legend <laughs> of the cat Zelda. Yeah, she's a legend. <laughs> Never oh, mind. <laughs> well, awesome. It was really good uh, uh, talking to you. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I, I hope more people hear this and, and want to uh, take up the mantle uh, of, of, of playing not only in a clinical way, but just, you know, with uh, with with people that you feel like they want to practice and, yeah, and yeah. get their social Teachers, skills in. Yeah. librarians, anyone. Anyone can benefit from this, like even mm-hmm. just the tips that you have on your website. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Anyone and that's can. the aspiring youth blog that I wrote uh, the Dungeons and Dragons and social skills piece for. Love it. Yeah. Love it. All right. Well, great. Thanks for coming by. Thank, Thank you, you guys. Thanks for the work we you're doing. totally so, won't really? see you at PAX East. Oh, no, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> and I've asked. It's the Seattle way, yeah. right? No, and I absolutely oh, do totally not have. <laughs> do lunch, totally. Uh, yeah. The Seattle no. <laughs> We're bringing that to Boston. Oh, yeah. Passive days. aggressivity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in an East Coast setting. All right. Well, thank you so much, <laughs> thank Dr. You. B. Uh, you got to say your name one more time just so everybody knows. Uh, Bocamazzo. 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 <laughs> We're not true Italians. We have to, we'll, we'll, we'll practice. Oh, that's fair. Okay. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> Bye-bye. 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 Uh, that was so great talking to Dr. B. He's I really uh, liked our conversation. I really liked it, too. Yeah. And I, I love what he's doing. I just, that's just. That's my jam, man. He's doing uh, uh, Tiamat's work. I was trying to think of a god. No, probably not, <laughs> not Tiamat. Not her work. Yeah, Paylor's work. Maybe not her work. Yes. Uh, in, uh, in, in, and I love that Dungeons & Dragons is now a tool for developing skills and Overtly. things. Overtly. Yeah. I that was, that's, I mean, people have been, I think, using it, not uh, really knowing that they're using it, but, you know. I kind of want to show this to my mom. Who, oh. like, you know, in 1989? You should send her his articles. I'm going to. I'm gonna. I'm gonna send her him. There you go. <laughs> be like Dr. B. You're going to Niantic, Connecticut. Talk to my mom and tell road. her uh, uh, that she was wrong. Uh, you know. Take little Greg's books out of the trash. <laughs>
<laughs> stop burning them <laughs> and put them back on his shelf so that if he can learn he about the D and the D. Time travel. Um, yeah, no, yeah was, because he's amazing. You know, seriously, it's 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 good stuff. Yeah. And uh, so yeah, if you liked uh, what we had said about Doctor B, uh, and you have any ideas for other uh, people or guests who are doing interesting and amazing things with Dungeons and Dragons, please let us know. You can message me. Uh, uh, easiest way is probably to find me on Twitter. I'm at Greg Tito. And Shelly, well, if they original. want to ask you anything about, uh, I know it's totally original. <laughs> if they want to ask you anything about uh, uh, about betrayal at House on the Hill, which you mentioned before, yeah, uh, or uh, uh, anything Avalon Hill is doing, yeah, you where can, can they get at you? You can find Avalon Hill on Twitter at at Avalon Hill Two. <laughs> Somebody took my handle. The number two. The not number the, two. The or find two. me at Shelly Moo. Shelly Moo. Mm-hmm. Avalon Hill Two. I'm I'm sensing a rhyming scheme. Mm-hmm. That's I planned it. Totally planned it that mm-hmm. way. And what about the new website for oh. Avalon Hill? Oh, yeah, avalonhill.com. It launched last fall, but you can still call it new. It's a new-ish. New-ish. It's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. And we're on Facebook. Avalon Hill. I love on Facebook. Facebook. The Facebook. What Facebook is doing these days is just... <laughs> <laughs> Good work, I don't know if it's really going to stick, though. <laughs> I'm sticking with Friendster. I don't know about yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. MySpace? MySpace? Friendster? Friendster was God, like... What the, Friendster really... Yeah. Wow. I had friends in, uh, friends, I had actual friends in uh, in New York who were like, Friendster's this great new thing. It was like 2001. Friends. You know, I still occasionally get an email from Catster. Catster? Yep. <laughs> What's <laughs> that, Ryan? Is that like cat fancy, but it's for like, social media? It's like there's Dogster and there's Catster. And I put Zelda on Catster <laughs> and they were, I occasionally get an email like, hey, Catster's wishing <laughs> Zelda a happy birthday. Are you going, hello? You two losers don't know about Catster. <laughs> Are you serious? I've never heard of that. You before. never heard of Catster? <laughs> I've never heard of it. Friendster, Catster, Dogster. Now I know. And I had no I had dogs on, on Dogster too. Sadly they passed. <laughs> so I canceled their account. Oh. You guys are seriously the meanest human beings. <laughs> My dog's dying. By the way, not cutting this because I want the whole world to know. What kind of jerks you are. (laughs) Anyway, back to Catster. Go check out uh, Zelda on Catster. (laughs) I can't believe you guys don't know about it. I still get emails. August 1st, they always wish her a happy birthday. I love that. And it was sad because Dogster wished Rizzo a happy birthday, like, Three months after she passed away, I'm like, oh my god, oh, that's so that's sad. Like, that seems like a bug that they should fix. To they be don't. Like, they don't know she's dead. Yeah, I mean, I didn't like tell them. Didn't they think like, oh, a, a, a pet social like, media thing? Like, this dog. Woof. This dog's been on Friendster for 17 years. Yeah, I'm she's sure he's fine. Keep sending those emails. <laughs> She'd cancel his account. Yeah, now. no problem. Wow. Uh, Meanwhile. Well, uh, go check that out, and uh, we will be back next week with a wonderful installment of Dragon Talk, the Dungeons & Dragons podcast. (laughs) Goodbye. Goodbye.